You're like so gay. sexual deviants and sexual deviant wannabes what is up what's up good i'm thriving right now because fall weather has like officially gotten here um i might be like getting a little bit ahead of myself but i am wearing a beanie today so i was also wearing a beanie today actually really how how uh what's the weather like in la Oh, it's like 87. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Why are, I mean, fashion is... What, what's the saying? Fashion is pain. No, beauty is pain. Beauty is pain? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess you gotta do what you gotta do, but... Why did I post a, a video of your on your wall of Justin Bieber, but his name is in, like, Russian? Where are you... What are you looking at? I'm literally scrolling. Okay, so Matt and I were trying to come up with a story today to tell everyone. So in order to do that, I was like, oh, I'll go look through all, all of our old Facebook interactions because we posted on each other's walls all the time in college. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all the time. Oh my God, you posted Cupcake on my wall and said, I think we should remake this on training trip. And you were correct. <laughs> that's... <laughs> that. We should have, honestly. Um, for a missed opportunity. It, honestly, for everybody listening, I think we've talked about it before. Actually, how we used to on our training trips in college, we used to make a Aaron used to make a video every year, and they're really good. Go check them out on the internet on YouTube. But on the internet, oh my god, you posted the I can't swim vine on my wall when you were abroad, and you had so much FOMO about diving season. <laughs> A lot of Justin Bieber, a lot of tumbling gymnastics videos. Mm. But there's a Ugh, picture you... of me in a in a wig, tr- drinking an ice. <laughs> yeah, I remember doing that. Actually, I remember that Facetime. I think I was in LA, and you were like super fucking drunk in Emory. Do you remember when we used to post like birthday collages of like the worst fucking photos possible of each other? Oh God, we. Oh my God. Zoe was the queen of those. She really was. Oh my god, that was like, do you remember those um, starter packs that were a thing for like a week? Those were amazing. Those were so funny. Kelsey Gallagher killed those. Oh my god. It was honestly like we were in the perfect like situation for that just because we were on Facebook so much, I feel like, in college and everyone was so willing to like comment whatever they felt like. Oh my god, Facebook was like the social platform when we were in, at Tufts. And I think that it was like just a Tufts thing. I don't think other colleges used it as much as we did. I have a, I like can't imagine that would be the case. It was just so easy for like everything. I'm sure there were other schools. I'm sure people are going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Tufts isn't the only school who used Facebook. What are you guys, stupid? But I feel like when I would tell people that like Facebook was our primary social network people like especially people at bigger schools probably were like what the hell like no one uses facebook but it was just the main way that everyone talked about everything related to things on campus those were like the glory days yeah i mean i'm sure everybody feels that way about when they were in college but you know that's we, but totally we had true it, but we had it the best that's totally true well yeah especially compared to tufts now <laughs> i like don't know anything about what's happening there other than that it's just definitely not as fun i don't think i even like know anybody who's still there right now because all the freshmen who are seniors sorry oh my god yeah all the freshmen when i was a senior graduated 
Yeah, you've officially aged out. This is the last year that I know anybody who, like, I overlapped with anyone who was at college when I was there, which is so weird that the freshmen are now seniors. Yeah, I think I'd feel weirder about it if I, like, wasn't still in the, like, like going to school or, like, on a college campus, slash I still am, like, involved with the swim and dive team. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's definitely weird. I don't know, just because it was, like, such a big part of our life for so long. I mean, it, it, like, fucking took over everything. I mean, literally half my wardrobe still says tough swimming and diving on it, so it, like, clearly made its mark. So it's just very weird that this is, like, don't even know anybody there anymore. I've been thinking about it for a while, and I think that the part of the, like, part of the reason that everyone thinks that, well, not everyone, I shouldn't say that, but I think that part of the reason that people think that college is, like, the best four years of your life is because I feel like college is the only time where you're not, like, looking forward to something. Like, there's some nostalgia where you're like, oh, like, I kind of miss home, but, like, I feel like once you graduate, you're, like, constantly looking for, like, the next job. You're constantly looking to, like, do the next thing, go on the next trip. And I feel like in college, we were all just, like, very happy to be there and just, like, living in the moment and very... Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think that combined with all of your friends being in your room within arm's reach sometimes yeah 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 and you just like never get that in the same way again like maybe you'll all be in the same city but it's not the same when you graduate i i did did you watch my new video talking about that no dude i've been so busy i started work i started bartending again so i like worked all day yesterday ladies and gentlemen she's a fake fan (laughs) i have been self-proclaiming as a fake fan since like literally before you came since to the Tufts. day you met me <laughs> since the day you learned who i was yeah. okay but i do <laughs> go back and do my due diligence and i do go back and like all of your videos but i haven't liked all right <laughs> so even yeah, if yeah, i don't yeah. watch them i'm trying to help in some regard help the algorithm thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> well the i just uploaded a video last week where i talked about like quote unquote what it was actually like moving to LA but I talk about how... oh I did actually I did watch that one I didn't I thought you oh, okay. that one. no I mean I did post a new video this week talking about money but yeah the one I did last week was like talking about the post-college transition because I don't think a lot of people really talk about it mm-hmm. I mean we, I we, we did literally go on a podcast talking about it but I feel like that was more talking about sports and I think that a lot of my like nostalgia isn't the right word but like a lot of my feelings come from just college in general like I don't really miss diving that much I miss like the people I miss the team Mm. and like competing was fun like I look back on it really fondly but like I just miss being on campus with everybody I don't know but also like I don't want to go back right now I don't know no I'm the same way I like there's like parts of it that I wish I could like relive every day forever and then other things that I'm like you couldn't even pay me to do that ever again yeah. Um, so I think I mean definitely like hindsight is definitely twenty twenty. I think there were definitely times where I was like, all right, I'm fucking ready to like go on to the next thing. Little did I know that there wasn't really a next thing for a while. So <laughs> so I just enjoyed yeah. it. Um, but that's good though. I definitely had that feeling too. Like looking back, I know a lot of senior year, I was kind of like, oh, I can't wait to get out of here. Like I'm done. Like I'm ready to go on to the next thing, which I think is good because I think that that means that you're kind of ending at the right time. You know? Yeah. I agree. Like, it means that you're actually, like, ready. Like, I don't know. I think, I honestly, do know. part of it. I need to stop saying I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you do know. 
confidence. I do know. I think part of it, honestly, was that I started to like really get, I started to get debilitating hangovers. <laughs> that honestly was like, I, I, I genuinely. Senior year? Yeah. I, I well, like, that's like, oh my God. Do you remember Catherine Coniglio, her senior year? I mean, kind of. Like, what are you say, getting at specifically? I have, I have very fond memories of, like, me being, like, the young, energetic freshman and her being, like, the senior girl. And me always the being, like... The ultimate swag. <laughs> yeah, like, the ultimate swag. And being, like, come on, like, take this shot with me. And she was always, like, I literally can't. Like, her her and kind of Scarlet, like, I would always kind of harass them to, like, party with me. And they were, like, you don't understand what it's like <laughs> to be old. And then, like... Every time I would try to get her to take a shot with me, she would kind of take, like, half of one and then, like, go and throw up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I, I, I stayed with them for senior week my freshman year, and, like, eventually I got her to take a shot with me, and I think she literally just projectile vomited, like, as soon as she took it. And I was like, okay, I'm really sorry, but thank you for indulging me. That I mean, yeah, I definitely... <laughs> 10 out of 10 can relate. <laughs> Yeah. Like, if someone tried to make me take a shot of vodka anytime in the last probably five years, no, not five I years. can't. I, I genuinely can't do it. I can I can literally only take shots of tequila these days. Yeah. I cannot do shots of vodka anymore. Uh-uh. I actually think the last time I did it, I was in the woods, and I think I took it, and then, like, three seconds later, just projectile vomited. It was, like, my second <laughs> drink of the night, and I just <laughs> puked all over a tree. <laughs> Oh my. Ew. <laughs> that poor tree. It's well, I feel like that's why I still I still can't drink like mango white claw really because like we had such a strong phase of drinking mango Rubinoff and like uh, mango burnets. Yeah. So every time I drink a mango white claw and raspberry, like the two those two flavors just like mm. really bring back a lot of like PTSD of flavored vodka. I just can't do um like raspberry iced tea. Because of lake water because or whatever. Of lake water, yeah. We used to make this oh drink. God. We would do like raspberry Rubinoff, which was like the really <laughs> low end. Fourteen dollar handle of vodka. Plastic handle of vodka. Plastic. Yeah. Um, I think most people in Massachusetts, in college, drink Rubinoff, at least in like uh, Eastern Massachusetts or in Central. But we would mix that with Arnold Palmer, and like it's it, it's really delicious. If it was you're not... a one to one ratio. Yeah, it was a literal like, one to one ratio. I remember watching you make it once, and you poured in a handle of vodka and one two jug. gallon thing yeah. jug. What? Yeah, one of those big jugs of Arnold Palmer, and you were like, "It's done." And I was like, "That's <laughs> how you make it." I was like, "That is not legal." <laughs> like, yeah, it was. It's silly. <laughs> I mean, there. It was so good, though. It was so good. I think also, like, if we tried it now, we would be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah. Who let us do this? <laughs> oh, to be young. And I mean, I don't want to like put myself on like too much blast publicly about this, <laughs> but like, we used to like funnel that sometimes. Oh yeah. It was like a hundred percent. It was, like, more than twice, I think. Okay. <laughs> Swimmer Semi was always, like, quite a night. Oh. We made Long Island iced teas my junior year. We made a fucking cooler of Long Island iced teas oh for Swimmer my Semi God. my junior year. I was... Everybody I, blacked out in an hour. I like, remember the party that, ended in an hour. I remember that because I showed up and Matt was already, like, 
half inside of a trash can. Like falling in a bush. I had to care. I carried him back to his dorm. When I came back, it was like 30 minutes after the party had officially started. Half of the people were crying. Half mm. the, people, the other half was like either consoling somebody or like unable to console themselves. <laughs> and there was. I and, had. And then I went downstairs and it was like you, Tyler, Zoe, Zoe. with Zoe DJing and you two just like dancing around in the basement. <laughs> Classic. No. Um, I was like, this feels my- right. <laughs> My friends Ashling and Kevin came to visit for that party, and Ashling literally, she, she till this day, is like, I have never seen an entire party, like an entire party of a hundred people, black out that fast in my entire life. She was like, the party was over by eleven fifteen, like everyone had left, the floors were sopping wet, like it was a mess, like. And then she Ubered to like, she like didn't even come back to my house and stay with me. She like Ubered to her friend's house because she was like, fuck this, like I don't even know where Aaron went. <laughs> So, yeah, good times. Wow, that's uh, that is probably one of our worst showings, to be honest. Because we were usually swimmer semi. Yeah, I remember Forever. my freshman year. The night before, there was like a an ATO party that was like, I think it was like, um, sex and execs. Is that what the phrase is? But I remember that I like had a wonderful time at that party and then thought it would be hilarious to show up in the exact same outfit the next night to swimmer semi and like 20 minutes in just be like why did i do this yeah i think i don't even remember what i did but i basically ended up just like being like slut exec again or secretary again and everyone was like of course well what were you wearing a speedo no no i was wearing pants and a button down but i was an unbuttoned quote, button quote down. unquote wearing a button down i mean it wasn't re- it wasn't very much <laughs> wasn't doing a good job of uh i mean that theme, happened to most but... people by the end of the night though anyway yeah. i think you were just ahead of everyone else you didn't even look <laughs> just... nice for the pictures in the beginning yeah uh, i don't think <laughs> i think i actually instagrammed a picture from that night with uh johan and kevin oh yeah i did uh, oh my god i How captioned far... it living with my bitches hashtag live of course you did. Well, that was right. Let when me take selfie, a selfie. That was right when selfie came out. Yeah, God, that was such a good song. Um, it still right. is such a good song. Yeah, that's true. I, that was the fir- <laughs> that was like the very first Chainsmokers banger, wasn't it? Probably. Oh my God, you all look like such babies in that photo. I went back and found it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I post that much. <laughs> did I ever tell Whoa. you about that weekend? Is that the one where Gabby stuck her finger up her butt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's all I remember that weekend. <laughs> we, like, got there and we're, like, hanging out. And obviously, like, me, Russ, Cassidy, like, put sunscreen on. And Gabby was like, no, I don't need it. Like, I don't really burn. <laughs> And then <laughs> she was the color of her sangria by the end of the night. I forget. I, I didn't drink much during like the morning, or I didn't drink at what all during was the this? morning. Just a random. We went to Martha's. Gabby's got a house on Martha's Vineyard. Who knew? Um, oh yeah, I knew. I did know that. And I so we that. like went for a weekend, but they all drank in the morning, and I didn't because I was going to drive to 
the grocery store um, like in the afternoon or like after breakfast or something and they obviously got obliterated right away and so mm-hmm. I, I, we went on a, we went on a school field trip to the grocery store they were all oh, no. so wasted it was so ridiculous but when we get back what was it oh it was the next morning we were like gabby like wake up you have it like you have to get up soon like you have your interview (laughs) she was like what the fuck are you talking about we're like gabby you do you not remember yesterday you asked to for a job at shop and stop or stop and shop she was like what i can't i can't work there like i live i don't live here like why would i do and we're like i don't i don't know but like you filled out an application and everything like you've got your interview like are you gonna go shut the fuck up she's like i don't know like do you think i should go like what should i do (laughs) like i miss her dearly oh my god like maybe for the intros we should just have a different college friend come on each week to relive a story with oh god that would be so fun it would but that's like a whole other podcast that we need to do you're right that can be like the tuesdays Oh wait we do upload on tuesdays i'm so stupid (laughs) (laughs) yeah well it makes you feel better i didn't even catch it okay well on a more serious note a bit more serious no a lot more serious um we are trying our best to keep this podcast like as apolitical and like non-current eventsy as possible but um we felt like it was important to take a moment to talk about uh the passing of rbg this week we recognize that like queer identities and you know a lot of times the people we have on this podcast are almost all of us just like living out loud and telling our stories is like a political statement but you know trying to steer this away we don't want to alienate anybody but we felt that this was something that we really did at the end of the day it's our fucking podcast and we talk about whatever we want (laughs) (laughs) and we want to talk about this yeah so Ruth Bader Ginsburg at the age of 87 um, has passed away. Yeah. Um, As I'm sure everyone who's listening to yeah. this has probably heard by now. Yeah. But we did want to just kind of take a second to kind of talk about what a huge loss this is. Um, you know. Yeah. Some of the implications. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we could go about talking about this. I think something that I feel very strongly about is that the fact that we live under a system where an 87 year old woman who was chronically ill and faced cancer multiple times and was incredibly weak for the last or physically. Well, actually I don't even know if that's true because she worked out for her <laughs> well into her eighties, but the fact that, you know, it feels like, and it kind of literally is like so much, the fact that so much was riding on her as one of the liberal justices of the Supreme Court kind of like speaks her to alone. The, yeah, speaks really to kind of how fucked up the system we live in is. But but she was she was a champion of gender equality and everybody everywhere should if you haven't at the very least, you know, watched the documentaries about her, watch the movies about her read up on her i mean if you if you feel so inclined i mean read some of her opinions they are they have been some of my i have definitely appreciated her opinions in law school more than almost anyone else just because i've found that they for me are the most readable i think there is a a huge barrier to law and the legal field for people who 
can't like spend the time or don't have the ability to read the like very complicated unnecessarily complicated language that there is sometimes and I felt that a lot of her opinions were very accessible they were a lot the language was a lot clearer I felt that she would kind of write things so that it could be understood by more than just lawyers whether that was intentional or not I'm assuming it was intentional I I guarantee somebody has written about it or talked to her about it before and that you know please let me know about that but there was just so much that she did as a Supreme Court justice and even before she was a Supreme Court justice that is so is going to be so long lasting I, I mean it's really an incalculable loss I think at the same time you know there are plenty of people who don't feel like everything that she stood for was perfect um you know even in the position she was in she didn't make the right decision in my opinion every time she she wasn't perfect nobody is so I I, I don't want to people who kind of feel that way I don't want to say like you know I'm not listening to you like how dare you criticize her at any point but I think I think it can be I think it's similar to the conversation we had about Kamala Harris it's like you can look at the amazing things that she's done and that she's going to do while at the same time want to hold her to a higher standard I think those two can absolutely go hand in hand um, and I think at yeah. this point in time, we can look at RBG and be like, you were fucking amazing. You did all these amazing things. You weren't perfect. And we want more or we want different from someone else. But those can go hand in hand and we can still recognize how important she was. Can you also shed a little light, Matthew, on why it's so scary that she passed away? <laughs> For everybody who's listening, why it affects the queer community? He's going to be able to do it a lot better than I will, which is why I'm just deflecting onto him. <laughs> yeah. And um, I am no Supreme Court expert. I'm in no way an authority on the matter. So um, obviously, these are just my own thoughts. And I... And you are entitled to have them, and I'm asking you to say yeah, them. <laughs> I know. If anybody still has an issue about us talking about whatever we want on this podcast, then I'm sorry. Stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, it's our podcast. Yeah. No, it's not even that. So. It's just like, you know, there are people who know this stuff better than i do but you know such as but that doesn't mean that you don't everything. have a right to talk about no, it No, of course I'm, I'm not saying that i just want to preface it with like please don't jump down my throat if yeah. i'm not like perfectly eloquent about it all but justice ginsburg is one or was one of the liberal justices we can say um with her gone it now leaves a five a, it's pretty much a five versus three court, meaning there are five conservative justices and three liberal justices. And of course, for people who don't know super well, there there is, you know, some crossover. There are some that are considered more cent- center than partisan, but for all intents and purposes and kind of, you know, in reality, it is a five, three split right now. Trump and the Senate are really going to try to get a very conservative judge nominated and put in place before they potentially lose control. So I don't know all of the like ins and outs of getting a Supreme Court justice appointed. Yeah, of appointing a Supreme Court justice. Um, I, I don't know exactly how it works between like how the House and how the Senate weigh in on that i probably should but it just you know off the top of my head i don't but the the big fear right now and the very real fear right now is that uh the senate which is um majority republican right now is and trump are going to push in a, 
a new appointee before Trump potentially leaves office, before the Senate potentially becomes a majority Democrat. And so the Trump actually released a list of his like top picks for the Supreme Court pretty recently. And it's just it's full of really fucking scary people who want to. I mean, the, the big thing that people are talking about is Roe v. Wade getting overturned and losing abortion rights. Um, a lot of states have on their books codified that abortion is legal. A lot of states do not have that. There are quite a few states actually that have I forget exactly what they call them, but basically they're, I, th- I think they're trigger statutes where as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned, it abortion is illegal in the state, period. Um, so mm-hmm. it, that is one issue that people are like very vocally concerned about. Interesting given the fact that it just came out that there is a doctor working in a, an ICE detention center in Georgia who's been performing unconsensual hysterectomies, which hmm. is... <laughs> If you don't understand, a hysterectomy is where you take out somebody's uterus. Um, And so that is a whole other issue that I do not know a ton of the history of, but it's, it's eugenics and it's been, it's happened many times before it's happened in this country before. um, And it affects, it does and has always affected in this country, um, black women and women of color. Reproductive rights are, uh, are and have been a fucking mess in this country, but that is Roe v. Wade is really the big thing that people are concerned about because a lot of Trump's potential nominees are very much against abortion rights and they're against LGBT rights. I wouldn't be, it's sad to say, I don't want to say I wouldn't be surprised, but it wouldn't surprise me if it came up for debate, if marriage equality came up for debate again. Um, yeah, I'm fairly positive it will. Yeah. Um, if we enter into that territory yeah, yeah it's the same it's the same kind of thing with abortion rights and that a lot of states do have it codified on their books that same-sex marriage is legal in their state but if it if it doesn't stay federally legal that really is gonna fuck up a lot of things it's really it's scary to talk about but we really just don't want that seat to be or justice ginsburg's seat to be filled by a conservative justice because then we would very likely have a six to three conservative majority in the supreme court which would really suck be dangerous yeah yeah it would be incredibly dangerous people would very likely die because of it and it would really affect uh, a lot of minority communities yeah so we really don't want that to happen what a year it's been. Yeah. And it's so fucked up that like a dying woman's words have to be about her career and her job. You know, the last, I think the last thing that Justice Ginsburg said was like, don't let them fill my seat until after the election or till after the new president is in office or whatever. And it's just like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked. Yeah. That should tell you literally everything about where we are right now. Yeah. And the fact that they're fucking trying to like push this nomination stuff and like move this way faster when they haven't even done a second fucking covid relief bill (sighs) that has anything for common people and doesn't do shit like give 600 million or 600 billion dollars to the fucking military Um, so if you were wondering what's been going on in our brains yeah (laughs) all right well on that note yeah Let's get into the interview this yeah. week. This week we had the pleasure of chatting with Matthew's friend, Adam. Yeah. Adam Ame. Yeah, Adam's super fun. Um, I met him when I was down in Georgia. We did gymnastics together for a little bit while I was down there. I think we talked about that for a little bit. 
he's super cool. He's super insightful. He does also talk a lot of truth about, you know, modern relationships and his relationship with God and how that and Christ and how that affects the way that he talks about relationships and views relationships and stuff like that. It, it's really cool. It's definitely different from anything that we've had so far, I think. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Party. Aaron is really doing a lot of... Um, I'm really out of it. <laughs> he's really contributing to the success of the podcast right now. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, Matt, you want to get shady? No, I don't. I definitely don't. For the 19th time, enjoy the episode, and we will see you again next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Before I introduce myself. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Trying to be real natural, you know. Um, I'm Adam. Adam Johnson. I live out here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a good friend of Matt's. First time I'm meeting Aaron, so looking forward just to chat a little bit with the, the two of you and, and, and have some fun. I'm super excited to get to chat with you as well. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited to like get to know you a little bit more. Ooh. So. Just what are you sipping on? Oh, that that's some um <clears throat> some stuff, you know what I'm saying? I can't can't expose, little pino? Can't expose myself. It's a little pino, you know. <laughs> it's a pino. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a pino cuz you know cuz you know she fancy. It's a pino. She looks crisp. <laughs> oh, real crisp, real crisp. I mean, look at that buoyancy just, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, beautiful. It's, it, it is hot where you are, so you need it, right? I mean, it's not that hot in Atlanta. It's only 70. It actually is pretty cool. It's cooling down a lot. Oh. Yeah, it's cooling that's down really a whole nice. lot. Wow, surprised. Okay, Adam, so who are you? (laughs) What's your Tinder bio? (laughs) That's all classified. (laughs) My Tinder, are you you, you being for real? Like, you want to know my Tinder bio? Like, seriously? Or just, like, boil yourself down to 240 characters or whatever. (laughs) I try to, but it's so hard. So, like, I mean. It's impossible. It's impossible. We're not going to go there. (laughs) But what are the spark notes? Who are you? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? How old are you? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. So, like blah, a Wikipedia blah. page. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's The Spark fair. Notes, though. Spark Notes version. Gotcha. So, um, I'm Adam Johnson. Full name is actually Christopher Adam Johnson. But, um, yeah, Christopher was too long to write in kindergarten. So, I just went with Adam. Four letters. Two of them are the same. Done deal. So. <laughs> that's actually really cute. Yeah. <laughs> that is really cute. <laughs> Thank you. It's like really I, smart, too. I mean, you know. Efficiency. When you see a genius, you better call him a genius. But it's Christopher Adam Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 27. I'll be 28 next month, um, which is really exciting, I guess. Nearing 30, and I don't know what that, what that looks like, but people say I look 22, so I guess that's a... You do look 22. <laughs> Thank you. you I do. guess that's also, a good thing. Also, when's your birthday? October 21st. I'm the 18th. No way, so you're a Libra. I am. (laughs) I'm on the cusp of like Libra Scorpio, so you know, one day I might be this, and the other day I might be that, you know. But anyway, (laughs) yeah, October 21st, (laughs) October 21st is the birthday. I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, um, and I moved to Atlanta soon after. I think my mom says I was only a couple months old, maybe half a year. So I moved here with my mom and dad, and... um, then my mom actually ended up being the one who raised me um, till today. You know, I have a good connection with my dad still, which is great and fortunate for sure. 
Um, some people don't have that, you know, after like divorce or, or whatever your situation may be. Um, but I've got a good connection with my dad. I'm super blessed and really thankful for that. Um, up through today, I guess to jump forward, I uh, lived a couple places, um, been to a couple places as well. Matt knows a little bit about that. I like to travel. Um, I've been fortunate mm-hmm. enough to be blessed with the ability to speak foreign language. So um, I speak four. I'm English. Wow. Yeah, English is my native, my native language. Um, my dad speaks Spanish, so I speak Spanish too. Um, I speak Japanese because I went to school there. And then I also speak Portuguese because of my work. So um, that's pretty cool. A rare little fact, I guess. It's but, so cool. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, Matt's like nodding because he's like, I knew he'd be such a good guest. Like, yes. <laughs> so, so people usually, they get like, you know, interested about that kind of thing. And I think it's made me... Um, you know, it shaped me in its own special way, being able to think in other languages and really connect with other people on a different culture is really cool. Um, gives a lot of room for like internal reflection. Um, a little more about me, about my job. I work in public health, specifically in global health. So I do a lot of um, capacity building. Uh, if you don't know what that is, we, probably, we may hit on it later. I don't know, those questions are for you guys. Um, <laughs> long story short, I work with a lot of um, foreign governments, ministries of health, I work with CDC. WHO, just really strengthening health systems around the globe to do better um, public health work on their own. So I'm really, really wow. um, satisfied with my job. I really enjoy it. Um, I'm, I want to get a bit more specialized and work for children, ultimately, um, instilling global health. But that's, you know, down the road a little bit. So that's what I do. Um, general hobbies, I love to get out, love to... Um, hike, go and just travel. I said that before, exploring new countries, new places in the city um, in Atlanta that I don't even know about yet. Um, I am a foodie, so I like to try new restaurants. That kind of, yeah, that kind of thing. I think that's pretty normal. Um, I love photography. I'm not super great at it, but I do like it. Um, I'm a dog dad, and <laughs> he'll be almost two. He's a Shiba Inu. He's very, very cute. Um, and what else do I have? I do gymnastics. Um, I was an acrobat for four years, an undergrad, and that's actually how I met um, Matt. So Matt started coming to the gym that I was coaching at before the pandemic, and he and I just like hit it off real, real quick. When he said "girl," I was like, "Oh Lord, here we go." I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, "Oh, this gonna be my bitch," you know what I'm saying? So, 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 so we hit it off pretty good, and he would come like I think every week or every other week, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would just tumble together and just laugh and stuff. And we had the opportunity to go hang out um, a couple times before everything got shut down with the pandemic. So, really looking forward oh. to that again for us to hang out some more, Matt. Yeah. Me too. I feel like we just kind of started to like really hang out outside mm-hmm. of just our weekly gymnastic sessions and then of course this hits and now it's like okay cool see you whenever maybe again <laughs> yeah. in 18 months like, see you yeah. on instagram that's about it yeah literally yeah. oh my god yeah so i guess that's the wow. the wikipedia version yeah shit all right mm. cool interview see you guys <laughs> all right all right good night i got somebody waiting upstairs no, i'm just kidding ah! i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm single i'm super single it's crazy <laughs> oh! So I'm, anybody out there? No. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I think I'm playing. It's like I be telling my friends, it's like I'm wearing like dick repellent. Like, no, they just, they, I feel that they one. just run away. So I'm like, all right. Oh Which God. is crazy because you're so hot. So okay, I don't stop. understand. But you know what's funny is I'm literally hot with this jacket on, so I'm gonna take it off. Okay, so yeah, that's it. But take it off. Oh wow! Ooh, stop! 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 Look at those arms. I know, he's so ripped. It's don't, so annoying. There was, 
There was literally one time he would wear like t-shirts and you can like see his abs through them. And there was one time where he's like, oh, I'm like so bloated. I feel so like gross today. I was like, cool. You still have more abs than everyone else in the gym combined. So <laughs> never <laughs> that, never that. I don't have a workout routine. I don't really work. I actually, I just started going to LA Fitness um, on last Friday. It was my first time going in a long time. Uh, I hadn't really formally, formally been to the gym on a consistent basis since 2014 when I was in, wow. when I was doing acro. And that's when I graduated from undergrad um, soon after that in May 2015. So, nope. But I want to, but I can feel the difference. You know, I want to get a bit more fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I do gymnastics specifically, I'm not as tight, I'm not as strong. The muscle memory is there, but I'm like, I'm getting bigger. It's time to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so cool. So, one of the cool things, the thing that really, I just am, like, so interested in, and, like, it's always, I just never really even know where to start when asking you about this, but you have lived in another country pretty extensively, correct? Um, yeah, I spent about two years, actually, in Japan, but I've spoken Japanese since I was around fourth grade. So I've been kind of integrated in the culture um, for a while. And what, how did you end up living in Japan? So um, um, I mentioned that I grew up with my parents divorced. And so my mom um, and I, you know, as a single mother, she naturally wanted to try some hobby or something with her boy, you know? (laughs) So we tried drawing. (laughs) My mom's a phenomenal, like, um, drawer. We tried, she taught me how to draw a little bit. I'm like nowhere near as good as her, but yeah, I can draw a little. Um, she also used to march in a marching band so she can play snare very, very well. So she taught me how to play snare drum and I, and I, I spent a fair amount of time on a drum line, um, playing snare. I was our section leader and everything, um, when I was very young. And wow. so that was cool. And then she also used to like so sit down well and <laughs> she's good at everything. Literally. <laughs> hey, look, I think that if you invest in kids, it just really opens up so many paths for them. That doesn't just mean like like a career wise, just anything, you know, like find something mm, that they like absolutely. to do. So ultimately, we used to watch cartoons together and I loved Pokemon. Um, po- Me too. Pokemon in English, I guess. But I, I used to love Pokemon. <laughs> you know, I used to love Pokemon, and my mom and I would watch it together. And I knew it was a Japanese show. And I said, "Mom, I want to learn Japanese." And she was like, "Uh, okay." And so, so she went for it with me. And um, I had these little books and little flashcards and things. And I was really doing a lot of self-study at the time. And um, I picked up on it very quickly. Um, in fourth grade, you were yeah. doing self-study. Yeah, I was so interested in it. I really wanted to learn it that I was just like, let's go for it. My mom would pull little flashcards. Okay, what's this say? She reads the back, you know, okay, okay. And then at that Aww. time, I, I couldn't truly read Japanese script, which we call um, kanji. And there are three alphabets in Japanese. One hiragana, one is katakana, and the last one is kanji. And um, to write Japanese words in the English language, we have that system as well. <laughs> So, like, when you see the word sushi, you know, you write S-U-S-H-I, right? We have a way to write that in Japanese. But using English letters, we call it romaji, which means, like, Roman letters. Romaji. So, Roman, Romish letters. So, um, I was learning everything through romaji. So, I couldn't read and write Japanese for real. Um, But I went to high school, took Japanese formally. Um, I also had some tutors growing up who also spoke Japanese, so I could speak well. Um, Took it in high school for two years and, like, passed with flying colors, because I knew it in my head. Um, then my mom said, well, you gotta learn to read and write. 
So my senior year, there was a, um, a kid who was Korean, but he lived in Japan. He came as an international student to my school. And word got out I spoke Japanese because I didn't like to brag about it or talk about it because I thought it was kind of weird when I, got, when I was a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. And then he found out, he confronted me about it, and I was like, oh, shit, here's my time, he right? confronted I mean, he was like, because he, he, he was like, do you really like, speak are, are Japanese? Are you ready to go? <laughs> he, was, he was probably dying to speak it. Because yeah, he was like, he was like, do you really speak Japanese? And I was like, yeah, I do. He said, like, oh, okay. And he like, spoke to me, and I, and I spoke back. And he was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? And our friendship sparked there. And so um, yeah. after that, um, he went back home to Japan in the summer to do his language studies. And my mom was like, I told her, Mom, I want to go. And she said, Okay. And so she sent me off, and we, him and I, he and I went to the same school in Tokyo, um, like central Tokyo area um, near Shinjuku area, which is like a big city if you know Tokyo. And um, his mom mm-hmm. was my guardian. And um, when he would stay, you know, in the, in the States, he would come and visit. And my mom's logic was, mm-hmm. you know, if, if his mom all the way in Japan can trust me for him to come and hang out for a weekend or whatever, why can't I trust her to be my son's guardian for these, you know, for these semesters or whatever? Um, however long I'm be in Japan. And so that's how it was. Went there, went to school, learned a lot about reading and writing. Um, I was alone because I had an apartment on myself. Um, and he lived wow. with his mom across town. So I was 15, living by myself in Japan. Or maybe I just turned 16 wow. or something. I don't remember. So, uh, that was crazy. Sorry, the dogs are really loud. But, um, that's okay. Yeah. But anyway, so that's how it worked. And then I moved back to America, um, did undergrad was doing some work um, alongside the consulate of Japan in Atlanta. And um, so my business Japanese got better. And then I moved back to Japan after graduating undergrad to work um, under the Council of Local Authorities for International Relations. So um, I was a government employee and a Japanese resident. So obviously I had to speak Japanese every day. But more specifically, my job there was as an English teacher. So I spoke English as an English teacher. And Japanese when I had to do like cultural ambassador type of work in city hall alongside the mayor. So yeah, that's what I did. And that's how I spoke Japanese. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to quit and you two can just run the podcast from now on. Mm-hmm. Like, you're so impressive. No. Yeah. It's, oh, I, I love listening to you talk too. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I mean, I love chatting with people. So this is just like super easy, super fun for me. So yeah. Likewise. <laughs> wow. I'd heard, like, snippets of that story before, but, like, hearing all those details, I'm like, first of all, like, shout out to your mom for, like, just being so... For everything. Yeah, and I'm sure there were times where you... Well, actually, I'm not sure, but, like, I can imagine there might have been times where you, like, wanted to stop or, like, weren't... Had your moments of, like, why am I doing this or blah, blah, (laughs) blah, but... (laughs) But shout out to her for just like going all in and for yeah. teaching you or like helping you cultivate such like an incredible skill and like clearly directed the course of your life for like in an amazing for way for sure for sure like um i really really break a lot of stereotypes you know being a young black gay male speaks fluent japanese speaks spanish speaks portuguese and english so i get mistaken of a lot of other things people say did you marry a japanese woman i'm like no because i'm gay and they're like <laughs> or they say, are you colombian or cuban because i'm i'm darker skin I speak spanish i'm like no i'm i'm from america we can learn foreign language too and so you know or things like that so it's it's kind of you know i'm used to that response like oh my god what but yeah my mom was an awesome figure um you know, not only as a single mom, but just also like saying, all right, let's just do it. You know, let's just go for it. And I look back on that. And sometimes I don't think I'm as appreciative as I should be 
until these moments when I have to really think about it. Like, mm-hmm. wow, you know? So shout out to all the moms out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's human nature for sure mm-hmm. to not necessarily think about, like not to appreciate it as much until you're like, oh God, that was all huge. Yeah, I know. Right. Exactly. Um, so a, a little bit more of like a personal thing, you know, what was it? Did you know that you were gay when you were living over there? In Japan? Yeah. As a kid, yeah, I knew. Um, well, the thing is, so to help shape this part of the story, I grew up Christian. Seventh-day Adventist. Okay. I still am very much Christian. Um, and, you know, in everyone's life, regardless of your religion, there's a degree of your parents planting that seed, you know. Um, and then there comes a time when you have to really think, is this what I want to do, you know, and as you come into your own shoes. Like a lot of things. Parents can want you to be astronaut. Mm-hmm. You're like, eh, that's a great idea. That's a great dream. But I want to be a doctor or whatever, right? So, right. so when I was younger, I, I knew that I was gay um, before I went to Japan. Um, but in high school, I had some experiences with girls, and I thought, oh, maybe I'm bi, you know, but it was never as natural, I think, as my known experiences with guys. <laughs> so there were times when I would be like, oh, yeah, this is a girl, she's going to make me fully straight, you know, especially when I was young and naive, like in, in younger years of high school. Um, I had a girlfriend my junior year, my sophomore and junior year, and I did love her, you know, for sure. But something which just wasn't quite right, and so we ended up having to go separate ways. And I don't think that was because I was contemplating, am I fully gay or fully this or that? It just wasn't right, you know, and so we went our separate ways. But in Japan, I was free by myself. I was single. So, of course, I said, all right, we're going to just try this thing out. You know, someone comes along, they're interested, I'm going to be wholehearted about it. And so in those days, I was saying, well, yeah, I'm a little, my natural propensity is to guys, even though I've had experiences with girls that were very honest experiences, um, I'm, I guess for this season, I'm going to be where my natural propensity goes, and that's gay, you know? And I don't think that sexuality is a, really a black or white thing. It's most definitely a spectrum, um, you know, something that I don't fully understand from a scientific perspective. But I believe, since I am, I don't say since I'm on the spectrum, but since we are all on that spectrum of sexuality, you know, being asexual or whatever it's going to be, you know, we should be able to subscribe to that thought, you know, um, that things change as we change because we all are human and we grow. You know, um, so in Japan, yes, I was, I knew I was gay. Mm-hmm. Did that, I mean, I don't really know culturally or societally how homosexuality is really viewed over there uh-huh. too well, or if that's like has changed since you were last there or from when you were growing up. I mean, you know, those are very formative years that you were there, and like that's around the time, like I came out when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a common age for people who come out in high school. I think around that age is pretty common, at least to like, you know, come out to yourself. Yeah. What was it like being in that culture? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess there's there's a number of layers that I want to get to with this question. I mean, it's like, first of all, what was it like being in that culture? What was it like being in that culture as a foreigner? And then what was it like being in that culture as a black person? Okay, so just being in the culture first. A lot of layers. Lots so of layers. A lot of layers. <laughs> you, yeah, dice pick and choose and answer that however however you please but i'm just trying to say that you know i feel like there's a lot of different levels mm-hmm. to that question and i do want you to feel like you can talk about yeah. any of those levels however you please certainly certainly it's all about sharing right <laughs> um so um and i may have to ask you to repeat your question since they were kind of loaded like three-tiered um the first one how, what was it like being in the japanese culture just period um 
You know, I, I knew a lot about the culture because if any of the listeners speak Japanese or have studied Japanese, you know how intertwined the culture is with the language, period. The language itself has many layers just based on respect, when to say what, how to say certain things, how to read the air, as we call it in Japanese, like kuki or yomu, how to like read the air and the atmosphere of something. Um, and, wow. and that is just not, we do those things in English, but America itself is very outs- outspoken. You know, we're just, we are all about freedom of speech. You know, my, my opinion here, or it's my freedom to say and do this, that, and the other. And that's okay. That's cool. That's how our country is built. So naturally, our culture kind of reflects that. In Japan, it's not so much so. Um, they're much more um, reserved people. They are less to, they are slow to really outwardly speak their opinion usually based on, you know, because of cultural kind of things going on, like, oh, I can't say this, how I really feel, because the hierarchical respect society kind of thing, you know, stops me from saying that. And, and I think that that was tough for me to, to, to really grasp. I knew it. And then sometimes I would, like, speak Japanese while thinking in English. Does that make sense? I would speak Japanese with an American mindset. So I was able to talk and stuff, but I wasn't speaking the culture. If that makes sense. Yeah. I wasn't speaking in the cultural context that I knew about, but now I had to speak it every day. You know, so I had to speak it every day to get around and maneuver things with people and just live my life. I wasn't doing that very well at the beginning until some of my more open Japanese friends or the ones who were also foreign um, in my international language school who had more tenure in Japan or just better skill than me. They would tell me, oh, you should say it like this, that, and the other because of these things. Then all those things I studied as a kid would definitely come back to life. I'm like, okay, now I understand why we should do this this way. Now I understand the purpose of why we you know, put our chopsticks here or why we go to do these little things at a temple or why, you know, why we stand in a certain way in the train station. All these little things that we don't think about in the States because we don't have that in our culture. So those were hard um, to kind of get used to. But I think since I'm so such a sponge when it relates to culture and language, it wasn't terribly difficult to get used to. Yeah. It, it wasn't like I had culture shock, if you will. Yeah. So I think your second one was about how was it as a foreigner in Japan, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the question was more, I, I don't want you to, you know, stop your thought process. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, this is fascinating. Um, but just kind of like more along the lines of like what it was like to like be gay, gay mm-hmm. in Japanese culture, to be gay foreigner, yeah. there, to be gay black man okay there. well now you put the adjective of gay as a whole another answer right whole another yeah. layer so yeah. so um as a kid being gay there i was just again thinking very american i was like let me go download grinder let me just go and see who's around kind of thing um and in tokyo it's a fairly globalized uh city so there are a, a fair bit quote unquote of gay people there um but some of them again are just like i said before not very hourly spoken so i might reach out to them and they'll be like, oh, oh my God, he's American. I can't speak English, so I'm just not going to talk to him, you know? But then I would speak mm. Japanese and they'd be like, but I can't speak English. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm like, I speak Japanese. It's fine. I'm like, it's fine. So that was difficult to, to, to um, navigate. And it goes right in, in line with what I was saying before. They're much more reserved than we are. So it was easy for me to be outspoken yeah. and just talk to somebody on, on Grindr or whatever. Did I ever hook up with someone? Yeah, I did as a kid. Um, you know, I didn't like go all the way or whatever, but I was like, whatever, I'm single, I'm in Japan, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, right? And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's the gay experience there. Um, I didn't have too much interaction with people, and I think it was mainly because of that 
assumed language barrier on their side in addition to this that reserved kind of like personality and culture that they have now um mm-hmm. Um, the second one, just being a gay foreigner, that made all that that I said worse because of what I was just saying with the, with the language barrier. It's almost like if you don't speak, if they don't have the sense that you really, really are fluent, then they're not going to really try to um, engage too much with you unless they're just a curious individual who wants to just try it out. Like try out that English that they, that they know or barely know or, or know great, <laughs> you know, whatever it's going to be. But if you can overcome that hurdle as a... Um, you know, as a foreigner in Japan, gay or not, then you could get access. You can get in. When I proved to people that I could, those are the instances when I was able to, like, you know, get past the app and, like, actually see somebody, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're very reserved. They don't, like, hold hands in public, really. You know, in America, we are quick to do that kind of stuff. You know, hold hands. You may, the PDA is serious in the States, right? Um, oh, my God, is it ever. I know. So so that was hard. Not as bad as Europe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. I've never been to Europe, but I, I've heard a lot, of, a lot of things about it. But it's just like, you know, navigating that as a gay foreigner was difficult. Because I've seen, I've had, I have gay friends who are Japanese in Japan. And for them, it's like, it's not as hard. It's just the one degree of like, oh, is this a shy person or not? Because not everyone is shy, obviously, over there. It's just, that's kind of a majority, like being reserved, being quiet. Now, as a gay black male and foreigner in Japan, it was even more difficult. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would get a lot of like likes or like little taps or whatever if it's like on uh, Tinder or something. You know, I, would, I don't even think I was using Tinder back then. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was Jack. I don't know. But um, not only was I looking just to see what was around, but I was looking for a friend, you know, because I was, it was my first time in Japan yeah. and I was young and I was just like, I want to get in with someone, just know some people. And I thought that, well, the gay, the gay community would be the place that I could maybe find someone. But it's so marginalized over there that it, it, it doesn't just really play out as it would in the States. You know, people say, oh, I'm looking for friends. And even if someone else is not, you can end up still being fairly decent friends. You know what I'm saying? Through meeting someone on a nap or at a bar or whatever. That was not the case, especially being black in Japan. So black people um, are a rarity, very much a rarity across Japan, um, mostly in very big cities, and they'll assume that you're a part of the Navy or the um, military. Um, and me just being a taller kind of teenager, everyone assumed that I was in the military, and that made them also not want to talk to me. You know, the military does not have the best, um, uh, it's not the best view of the American military in some places of Japan. So it didn't help me at all. So if I got a response, being black, gay, and a foreigner in Japan, I was elated. You know, I was like, oh my God, finally someone broke all those walls and they can talk to me. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that played wow. out. It was pretty difficult um, as a child. Now, as an adult, it was a bit, it was a bit different. Um, I had a lot more confidence. Um, and I was also technically, I was dating a girl at that time. She and I were going through some ups and downs. And so there was a, t- a period when we were just kind of like not really as... Um, engage with one another, I guess. Um, and in that time, I was looking for friends. I wasn't trying to hook up just because I knew that we weren't fully broken up. That's, that's wrong, you know? Um, and she knew that I was like, that I was bi and everything. Like I told her, I was in my mind saying, I'm bi, I'm bi, whatever. Because you know, mm-hmm. I, I was in love with her, you know? But I didn't want to forsake the fact that I had relations with guys before that. But it was, I, this was my time with her and she was the focus, right? And I was, it was an honest focus. And even though I was 7,000 miles away, she was still, you know, the priority in my life and I didn't want to you know cheat on her or anything and people could have done that but I didn't but the point is when I was looking for friends um you know people were interested 
because I looked a little better. You know, obviously I was near a military base at this time. I wasn't living in Tokyo. Um, and so, you know, people were just curious. So that wasn't as difficult as an adult as it was as a kid. And also just the presence of gay people worldwide is a lot more accepted nowadays as compared to 10 years, what, 10, 11 years, 11 years ago when I was there the first time. So. Mm-hmm. Did that kind of like, cause I know like in this country, like the, the gay presence and acceptance of gay people really has kind of like skyrocketed. Like you mm-hmm. said, yeah, it's like the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Did that same kind of trajectory happen over there? Um, I would say yes. As someone who's been there maybe about four, four times, four or five times, I would say yes. I can clearly see um, that the gay presence is a bit more prominent. Um, it, you know, in the day-to-day, it seems very underground, but when we have things like, you know, it's Pride Month or it's World Pride or it's this or that, you know, they're full force and they're out there. And that's an awesome thing. Right. They're out there so much so, like, and if you know anything about Japan, they, you mix the old, the very, very old culture with this almost futuristic modern world just smashed together. You'll be in the middle of a city and bam, you're walking a park and it's completely silent because they really value nature. And you can't even hear the bustling metropolis around you because it's just that quiet. Or you walk downtown and the road has to go around a tree because they care so much about nature. There's a temple in the middle of the city and it's quiet and respected there. They mix all that together. So you would see people in traditional clothing still with like pride makeup. Just to show like where wow. they come from and, and who they really are, especially being a people who are fairly reserved. And you know, you know that transcends any culture. The gay, you know, experience, that's that's the whole point of being in the closet, right? The gay experience is just something that has to be hidden, you know, by many people's mindsets, I think. But that expression right there of showing your true, like, kimonos and your true traditional clothing in the middle of a city, in it's not super, super gay prep, like, gay um, supportive, I guess, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, but then they also have, like, very pride makeup, you know, and all that other kind of stuff. That's, that's something to really, really um, speak. And I think that it proves that there is a rise um, of, you know, outward gay people, open gay people in Japan, in addition to the ability to be um, to have a domestic partnership in Tokyo. It's the only place you can do that in Japan, I think. Um, someone can fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's the only place in the whole country where you can have a domestic partnership, and it's not even called a marriage yet. So, but that means it's going somewhere. So, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, because I guess I always, I've always kind of thought of the Eastern world, yeah, kind of doing their own thing, having their own timelines, not being as influenced by Western culture mm-hmm. as, you know, other places are. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me to hear that that kind of trajectory, that like acceptance trajectory has kind of also taken place over there. Yeah. I wouldn't have really expected that. And I don't know. <laughs> I hope people don't read that as me being like coming from a place of like, total ignorance yeah. like what do you mean they're like a they're more of a modern society than the the u.s is yeah. but well everyone's uh, got a little bit of ignorance so i mean even i'm yeah. ignorant i don't know everything i'm not japanese right so it's like absolutely this is just yeah. off my experience mm-hmm. and what i've observed as someone just coming in with as little amount of preconceived ideas as i could and being connected mm-hmm. with it from such a young age you know i my eyes my lenses are just a little bit different i think 
um, as compared to someone who's never been a part of that culture or really con- really connected with it outside of you going to a hibachi or something, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you thinking that's real Japanese food when it's not, you know. But um, you know, you know, my my lenses are just a little bit different, I think, and so from what I've seen, experienced, heard, testimonials, and everything, I think that that's kind of what I can say about it. Wow. So how how frequently do you go back now? Um, I try to go back every other year, if I can. Okay. I was supposed to be there in August last month, but ah, uh, Miss Rona said no. So I was going with a couple friends of mine, um, three other friends, and and they one of which has only been to Japan once. And he came with me on my last time I went in 2018. And it was his first time leaving the country. So it was hard for me to get him to get on board. I was like, I was like, boy, and I'm not trying to sound. That's a big trip. Yeah, I'm not trying to sound racist, but he's a Southern boy from Louisiana. And um, this was the second, (laughs) this was the second time he had ever been on an airplane. And you know, he's a white guy, so he's a white guy. So, you know, he just kind of is like, what? I can't take my pistol. And I was like, no, you can't. You won't even. Oh no! You won't even get through the, the security gate, so let alone in the airport. You're, you're not. Yeah, you're not leaving Louisiana. In that yeah, way. yeah, yeah, right. So, so it was very interesting. And then, of course, he and another friend of mine, which at that time in 2018, that guy, we've been to Korea together. We've been to China together. So, and he's Mexican, so he knows a lot about international travel, and he's traveled a lot himself. So it was easier to deal with him on the trip. And a lot more difficult to deal with the other guy. But um, I was there translating for both, and we had a great time. And COVID messed up this trip. This time, I was going to take two new friends. Um, so the four of us, we've been to Iceland together. And so I thought the four of us could go to Japan together. And we were going to go to the Olympics. But, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had plans and everything for the Olympics, uh, opening ceremony. And it just was like, nah. <laughs> that's <laughs> heartbreaking. Today. Yeah, heartbreaking. Oh, that would be so- so cool. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's cool. You know, like Tokyo feels like my second home or like, you know, outside of my Atlanta and Alabama homes. It just feels like, you know, I really wanted to go. The Olympics were there. Ah, damn it. Can't do it. So next year is my plan to go again if the world opens back up. (laughs) Oh, I hope it works out for you. Yeah, for sure. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. Would you go back even if the Olympics don't happen next year? Would you just be like, I'm still getting on a flight. Like, I want to be there. Um... Probably. So I'm thinking that if I don't go there next year, another trip, what I, what I would do instead would be to um, New Zealand or Australia. Exactly. I mean, we'll join you. <laughs> Please, come I'll go. I'll go anywhere. Yeah. I'll go to Tokyo. I'll go to New Zealand. I'll see, go to Australia. See, I really need his Instagram when this is over because clearly he got the energy I need. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, shit, you can take over the world. You better be quiet. You better be quiet. I already told you I'm single now. Don't, be, don't, don't tease me with a good time. Don't tease me with a good time. Ah! <laughs> See you in LA. <laughs> I'll be like, it's not. That, 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 that promotes hookup culture, which I'm not, a, as a public health professional, I am not a fan of hookup culture. But, you know, I'm trying to be. Because of COVID or just in general? Just in general. I just think that, you know, we, everyone really should worry about their health. But I think that, you know, as gay people, we are definitely um, prone to a bit more other issues, you know, especially with yeah. the HIV prevalence in the gay community. I think it's just something we should watch out for. And this is why. You know, people should use condoms. This is why you should be on prep or true powder, whatever you whatever you need to help protect yourself, but also to protect the community, um, and and just be open if you have that type of thing going on because we do have a responsibility to our peers, our you know people in the community or whatever. Absolutely. You know, and that's my public health side. And and even if you're not, you know, homosexual or or whatever you are, there's still you know STIs, you know, sexually transmitted infections. We have to be careful of that. But anyway. 
that's my health speech. We're just going to move on with the podcast. No, keep going in on that. <laughs> no, I, I like I like hearing you talk about that, actually. It's really interesting. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, And like, I think it's a really, really important thing to talk about. It really is. You know, some people just shy away from the truth. And I think that goes beyond just um, your sexual status or whatever, like, you know, your STI status, disease status, whatever. I would rather tell you straight mm-hmm. up and, come for, and be forthcoming and then let that ball be in your court on what you want to do next than me literally live a lie to you <laughs> and that's not cool like what relationship friend family significant other or just like acquaintance or even if it's just like a hookup or whatever who, who wants to be lied to from the top like i just don't i don't get that and i don't believe in that so you know i can't micromanage you by not telling you something that you probably need to know that's going to really influence your decision period yeah <laughs> you know so so do you you dislike hookup culture what would you say that you dislike also can you talk can you talk really quickly also for everyone listening about like when you say hookup culture mm-hmm. what do you mean because we have yeah. a, like a lot of straight women and stuff yeah. like a lot of a very diverse for audience, sure. i think yeah for sure so my thing is um when i say hookup culture this is how i describe it i, I want to put it out there like have i has i have i hooked up with people yes um but i think that a hookup culture is like i'm only in it to hook up with this you know with you and then the next best thing and i have no other intentions Mm -hmm. on finding something serious or like really trying to treat you like an individual or person that you are you know you are more than just a body you're more just a piece of meat you know and so i think that some people get you know become blind to that because they're so about just trying to hook up and some people think oh i'm just gonna fuck my problems away well that's not good because what if you get with someone who also is like trying to just maybe hook up or whatever and then there's some kind of emotional feeling on one side of the other and then now you've got this whole ghosting thing going on and it's just not good, I don't think. That's what I believe is the hookup culture. Like, let me just, oh, you hot, let's hook up this one night stand, see ya, you know, dust it off. And then it's not even like we are still connected in some way. You know, it's like the whole ghosting, that's just a very dry, cut, a very serious cut and dry. And you know, I've been ghosted plenty of times. So maybe that's what influences my, my um, you know, mindset around the hookup kind of culture ultimately for me for anybody out there listen no i i'm um i'm looking for someone um who i'm gonna be able to spend some time with i mean you know we might who knows what's gonna happen on the first day but i mean (laughs) but i intend to be honest with that person and really just you know give it a chance see what's up and then go from there if it doesn't work i'll let you know like hey i don't think this is gonna work and then we can go our separate ways i'm not just gonna ghost you i'm not gonna block you you know, it's just childish in my opinion because we're... Well, you have a maturity that a lot of the gay community does not have. You know, I, I think it's a maturity that a lot of people a lot of, period don't have. Exactly, man. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that maturity. And again, that's why I was talking about being forthcoming, that integrity. Like, people just don't like to bring the truth up front. You know, like, if, you don't, if you're not into somebody, okay, there's 7 billion something people on the world. There, there's bound to be somebody else. Right, I know that sounds cliche because we live in our little bubbles, but it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. You know, don't give up on that though. If that's what you're looking for, you know, it, it's out there for you. And and sometimes your life is better, you know, by yourself. Like I've already come to the position that I don't. I used to say I needed a boyfriend. I need a boyfriend. I need a boyfriend. No, when I was re, like redefining myself, um, value and like just building my self confidence because my ex boyfriend was a total dick and he really really shot at a lot of that about me. I had to realize, like, my, my value doesn't come from you. It's not defined by you. It's always like, you know, hooking up, blah, 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 all this shit. And then I said, I don't, I don't need a boyfriend anymore. Because that's the state I was in when, before I dated him. Now I'm in a position of, mm-hmm. I want a boyfriend. 
you know, I've grown so much and I'm fine being by myself. I've already told myself, hey, if I have to be single, it's just me and my dog and I adopt some kids, then I'm going to be the, the finest single dad out there. Okay. But, you know, I, I don't need to have someone else. And I think that I figured that out from seeing my mom raise me. My mom didn't need another man. There were plenty of people who would try and come around, but she's like, yeah, I want to be with someone. She would honestly try and date them or whatever. They would stick around a while, do some dumb bullshit. And then she's like, all right, well, deuces. I guess you're not it. <laughs> you know, you don't want to stick around. You don't want to put in the work. Okay. You're not it. And I don't need to be dragging myself through the mud emotionally because I need a boyfriend. No, you don't need shit. All you need is just to really make yourself the best person that you can be, be 100%, then share a whole person with another whole person. So we don't have these, oh my God, you complete me. Oh, you're the answer to all my needs. No. No. If you're not complete in yourself as much as you think you can be, I get you grow. We grow continuously till death. But I mean... You can't have all this, yeah. all these questions or whatever about yourself and then be knowing that you are incomplete and expecting someone else to complete you. No. When you find a whole Absolutely. person with it's someone like, else, you guys realize the more, more flaws about yourself because now you're communicating for real, for real and sharing a whole me with the whole you. Right. And you find those flaws in yourself. And then that's how you grow from those things. And that, from that, I think, is the continuous growing sip on okay, that wine well, shit. let me sit, let me sip on my pino after i you know what i'm saying if you spit absolute truth that's what i do yeah that's that's a huge lesson that i think a lot of people definitely need to learn yeah um how, like how did you how, how did you go about actually like implementing that change in yourself um it wasn't just me you know Mm-hmm. Rome was not built on one back, right? And if I'm going to be a fabulous city, then I'm going to need some help, right? Because sometimes we don't, we don't see... Uh, huh? Can I pause for a second? Rome was not built on one back. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. First, of all, first of all, the slaying is Rome was not built in a day. Hey, but I'm for real, though. It wasn't built on one back. Neither were the pyramids. No, you're right. But- Nothing. Period. It's true. But it was built also by <laughs> Matt. We gonna edit that out. Have... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fine. Rome was not built in the day, and, and and honestly, nothing is built by one person. Like I don't think anything really magnificent right. is built by just one person. You know, a team is yeah. everything. I think, and I think that your family, your friends, whoever your influencers are, um, they really help you see things. Sometimes from a perspective that you might not be able to see them. That's what I'm getting at. You know, like, if I'm going to be this magnificent thing, I'm, I may need some other people to give me some feedback, you know? And so for a long time when I was in that last relationship with my ex-boyfriend, um, you know, he was not um, really supporting me. He was not really, like, uplifting me. He was not um, doing those things that you would expect or really want a significant other to do by, you know, telling you that you're this, you know, supporting you here, showing you that they care about you, it always was hinged on something else, something that I would do first. Oh, well, thank you. You're so sweet. Oh, I love you. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's not genuine. That is like, like in response to me doing something, you know, for you. And I think that, that, um, it did not make me feel good. It made me feel like, you know, I was just really unappreciated, um, disrespected. And, And also, you know, we dated for not a super long time, about nine months and, um, he cheated on me multiple times and so um and i found out about it early and i tried to ignore it and be like oh maybe this is just you needing to cull the hose out of your life from being single blah blah basically making a whole bunch of fucking excuses for him um excuses that i knew were wrong 
Um, and so all those things in that relationship really just made me feel like my value was just dun, 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 like going down, 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 right? Because if you are significant to someone, if you say significant other, be significant. I was just starting to feel like another, like I just felt like another person. Why do we have this title then? Mm-hmm. When you are the one who asked me to date you, I didn't ask you and I didn't push you. I actually told you no more than once. I told him no more than once. And I was like, I was like, I'm not ready to date you yet. I'm not ready to date anybody yet. And then I told him yes. Um, on Valentine's Day last year when he asked me and then we started dating, you know, but then, uh-huh. but then everything just didn't follow up to all that, that zest he had before he asked me, you know, and so that is yeah. what felt really bad, I think. Um, and my, you know, and I'm a sensitive person, of course. I know, bitch, but, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but let me tell you something, I am that bitch, you know, but, but, um. You know, it just was. Oh my god! It was just, it was just a hit to my my confidence and my my you know how I viewed myself and all those kinds of things. And I was just trying to build that back up. My friends would tell me, "Oh, it doesn't matter. Like, think of what he did to you, or like it's not even about um like, getting back at someone. Like, you got to look at it. Was uh, if it was so bad to you, basically, like why are you still stuck on it being an issue? Kind of thing. That's what they would say. They say, "You know, it was bad. You know, it was wrong. You knew it was wrong way before that." So why not just like let it go and then continue to work on you? And I just didn't know how to accept that. I just didn't know how to do that. You know, I think I was just so stuck on, oh, he cheated, he cheated, he cheated, that kind of thing. That's such, that's so much to ask of somebody though, especially when they're going through like a very personal and Mm -hmm. emotional Mm -hmm. traumatic experience. Yeah, I agree. That's so much to ask of someone in like, no, just like, you know, look at the reason. It's like, reason doesn't matter. Exactly. And I was like, I don't really know how to navigate all that. And I mean, but they were telling the truth. I think they just didn't know how to really articulate it. And I thought about it and I stopped and I really tried to internalize that. Like, why am I allowing this person who quite honestly did me very wrong dictate how I view myself? You know? And I think it's because of that problem. Yeah, snap on, snap on. You know, the, the, I think it's because of what I was just talking about. Like, I, I didn't feel a hole in myself. And I was hoping that this person would complete me because this was very, very soon after I had come out to my inner circle. So I came out to my inner circle when I was about 26, I guess. Maybe I was 26. Um, or, or maybe I, had, I was 25. I just turned 25 or something. Um, and I just felt like, okay, now I'm free and open. Let me go find a guy, you know? I was incomplete or whatever, and I was hoping or thinking that he was going to be that thing. And he was not. I rushed into it, felt really shitty afterwards, took a step back and like, why did I do that? Why is he, why am I allowing him to do this to me and making yeah. me feel this way? So it's been a journey ever since then to generally just like reinforce myself by like, you are good enough. You know, you, you do look decent enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm you know, fucking kill you. <laughs> kill me for what? Look decent mm-hmm. enough. I mean, that's because I mean, like I, social. You know, social media does that to you though. Like you're always comparing yourself to someone else. And I was like, oh man, I wish no, I looked like blah blah blah. But I try to get out of that space now. And I'm like, okay, like I'm good. Like I'm me. I'm just well, whatever. It's interesting to me because I I'm resonating a lot with what you're saying, and it's almost this weird sensation. I feel like where when someone wrongs you so badly, sometimes you almost start gaslighting yourself based off of like the things that they told you. Mm-hmm. And like you start viewing yourself really differently, even though you like, can slap yourself across the face and be like, obviously this isn't fucking true. Yeah. And like you grow out of it eventually, but for a little bit, you're like kind of in that funk. Yeah, you so. really are. I was just in that funk for a while. He would just say like so many shitty things and claim that it was like joking. And I'm like, well, when are your jokes going to stop? Like, when are you going to appreciate me for what you 
claim well, to I'm CBS. really glad you got away from this guy. Yeah, <laughs> I see his ass every now and then in Midtown. I'm just like, okay. And you're just like, bye. <laughs> I'm like, say on that, I don't need you. Yeah, so. Yeah, so that's that. Um, know your value, folks. You know what I'm saying? It's only, it's only yeah. written by you. And if you, I, like I said, I'm, I'm Christian, so I subscribe to, you know, Christ being my, my deity and savior and stuff. And, and I know my value is written also like by and through him. So it's just kind of like, why does someone else's two cents, especially if it ain't nothing good, going to really put me in a bad space? It's not worth it. It's not worth that emotional, you know, usage. It's just not worth it. Yeah. You're better than what they say. Sense. You're better than what they say with or without, you know, any kind of religion or whatever. You're always. So what's it like being religious while being gay? So growing up, I like obviously like many people, I'm trying to keep it a secret. Um, I always went to Seventh-day Adventist schools um, ever since I was, yeah, from kindergarten up through when I graduated undergrad, all Seventh-day Adventist Christian school. I um, try to hold it in a lot. Um, I think that in high school, I was a bit more eh, okay with it, but I still didn't openly talk about it. I still didn't openly pursue a lot of stuff unless I knew the other person was like gay or they came on to me first. Um, in, high, in college, before I was dating my girlfriend at the time, you know, I, it was a bit different. It was a bigger school, bigger space. I wasn't in Atlanta anymore, so I didn't have many, many um, long-standing connections with people except for those who went... Um, to that same school from my uh, from my high school, so you know a bit more free in that respect. But um, I think now I'm o- I'm very very open telling people that I'm Christian and gay. You know because if you want to come and say oh but it's a sin and this and that well there are so many things that plenty of straight people do that are sins, and I don't think that that should be a place to point fingers because if because for me what matters is my relationship with Christ right. Since I'm Christian, I'm going to talk about it. That's what's important to me. And to me, being gay is not really coming in con, you know, it's not really a disturbance between my relationship with Christ. It is what it is. Like, I'm attracted to men. Okay. That doesn't mean I'm going to be out here lusting and being a hoe and, you know, being promiscuous and stuff. That's just what I'm naturally attracted to. And again, why I said it may be okay if I end up being single for the rest of my life. Okay. You know, I'm fine with that. But I know whether I'm single for ever and ever, amen, or I'm not. What's going to be first in my heart and in my focus is going to be my relationship with Christ, you know? And so I think that that is what makes me not really afraid to be gay and be Christian. I lead in a very big church in Atlanta where I'm a lead vocalist and a lot of them see me on the internet and we're all over, you know, these posts and stuff and they know I'm gay and they don't stop me from singing. It's like, I have a talent to help lead people to a better place. Why not use that? Why should being gay be something to, you know, to stop that? But if anything, it's a testimony. If anything, it's a good thing. It shows you that, like, you know, being gay is not a direct opposition, in my opinion, to having a relationship with Christ. If I'm honest about it, and I've talked to Christ about it, I've explained all that kind of stuff, I've read about it, I've tried to just really, you know, see how, how I interpret the Bible, and I don't see it as it in terms of my sexuality being an issue. I think there'll be many types of people in, in heaven if you subscribe to that thought, you know? Black, white, gay, straight, whatever, you know, as long as you have that faith, as long as you have that honest connection, then why not, you know? So I was going to say, does Seventh-day Adventist denomination have, you know, a bad history with the LGBT community, but every Christian denomination pretty much does? Um, <laughs> I would, are there, I would are say there on that. stances any better than they used to be in terms of, like, a general 
oh. uh, distaste, one might say. You know, that, that's <laughs> kind of difficult to say because within everything that you think about politics, you know, or even mm. usage of medicine, religion, there's always a conservative and a more liberal side. You know, so sure. so I think that as the whole, the the SDA church was kind of born out of more just conservative kind of beliefs. So I think for a long time it wasn't really accepted. There's a lot of distaste, like you're saying, but times change. You know, culture changes, and I think with more of its LGBT presence in our culture, people are becoming a bit more sensitive to it. And I don't think as many people are just really really conservative about it, like oh, go away, you're gonna burn to hell. You know that kind of fire and brimstone talk. Um, as compared to how it used to be. You know, that experience is very different depending on where you live um, and just, you know, who, who you're around. You know, you're, so I can't say for sure, but in my experience, it hasn't been awful. Um, but I also engage with just more young people, you know, and they just, quite frankly, nowadays just don't care, you know, for the most part. For the yeah. most part, people just don't care anymore. And even some older people are starting to be like, okay, do you, whatever, you know, kind of thing. So... It takes a person, you know, everyone's a bit different. I think I'm more interested because this this summer I was doing research for a professor where I was looking into like reformed Protestant um, viewpoints and history mm-hmm. dealing with um, the LGBT community and LGBT issues. So I think I'm just like particularly interested, I guess. But like, is your, are you lucky in that you are intentional with, you know, having chosen a congregation that is particularly affirming and accepting of gay people or is it kind of like a a denomination wide greater acceptance because i know Mm. like my mom's church for example and the church that i grew up going to it's a methodist church and as a denomination it's not very welcoming to the lgbt community there are you know of course like political issues within it because you know there's a very large uh, methodist preference um in I want to say West African countries. I don't want to say all African countries because, you know, that's, and it's yeah. just wrong. But I think, <laughs> I think it's a lot of West African countries um, have a pretty large Methodist community and they are very not great <laughs> on LGBT issues. But I know a lot more, a lot of congregations in the Methodist tradition have um, kind of rebelled against that or like chosen to act not in accordance with their more conservative denomination wide policies Mm -hmm. so i'm just wondering if that's kind of the same case for you so i can't particular congregation yeah so i can't really say if that's the case for seventh-day adventists as a whole for sure um and i also go back to at the very beginning when i was saying how your parents kind of like plant that seed of your religion and you grow up and you either continue following it or you decide like how 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 it looks like you know that you follow it or if you decide not to whatever so while i do think that just in terms of like general like i guess morals for the most part um i do think that i'm seventh-day adventist um but recently i've just moved away from just the the names of the religion you know and especially denominations and moved to a space of where i'm just focused on my relationship with christ baptist seventh adventist whatever you know, my relationship with Christ is what's most important to me. So I don't care if I go to church gotcha. on Saturday or on Sunday. The point is I'm having my day of rest on that day like like I follow with the Ten Commandments, right? So I sing at a non-denominational church that worships on Sunday. And in that space, I feel super comfortable 
you know, being mm. gay and open because a lot of people are just like coming from all types of paths. In that, I feel very, very comfortable, of course. In some Seventh-day Adventist communities, especially those where it's not filled with a lot of um, either open-minded or younger people, um, I think I feel a bit less comfortable. But if it comes up, I'm going to talk openly, you know, I'll talk openly about it. But I'm not going to come at your face and be like, oh, look, I'm gay. You know, kind of thing. Um, and I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that ever, period, just because it is a growing thing, a growing acceptance, you know, whatever. And I know that some people are okay with that and, and, are, and are not. And I'm not in the business of just pissing somebody off. And plus, it's how I live my life. Why do I have to PSA it to everybody? So, um, so I think in those spaces where it's a bit more close-minded, you know, very conservative people under the SDA roof, I may feel a little less comfortable. Um, but ultimately, if it's brought to me, I'm going to say it openly. I'm going to say, say the truth. The SDA community, I can't say one way or the other if it's majorly accepting right. or majorly not. I would assume majorly not because many, you know, they follow the Bible fairly strictly um, and, and they interpret it a certain way. And I think interpretation is very important. I guess it's kind of something that we've, we've talked about a little bit too, but I think in that, this like particular context with, you know, more maybe coming from like a more conservative Christian background, what kind of changed for you or allowed you to grow into that place of confidence within your religion, especially it, like if you were talking to somebody who uh-huh. is younger and is from like a, is living in a conservative Christian household and goes to church and, you know, is not hearing great things about gay people, you know, how, how would you help them to find that confidence yeah. other than like, you know, to like grow up and like learn some more, but you know, yeah, yeah, just yeah. looking within yourself or whatever. I would say that um, confidence comes from just d- depending on how you confront issues in your life on your life walk. So I think that you know you you should. What I would tell that person, sorry, I'm trying to get my thoughts together. What I would tell that person is, you know, look at yourself and say, is this something that I truly believe from an intrinsic perspective like do I know for real that I am gay or I am this or I am that if you do and you know it's not really being influenced by some kind of external fact sometimes can fuck up your psych or whatever you know and then make you feel like you want to do this or same if you get in a in a a social group it may make you feel like okay this is right or this is wrong Mm -hmm. you know if you know intrinsically that this is what I am and this is what I believe then I would say analyze your audience and first, take, take confidence in that. I know who I am. Analyze your audience so you can massage your message. Because you can't just, t- I can't talk to you, Matt, like I would talk to Aaron. You're two different people, right? With two totally different belief systems or whatever, albeit maybe similar. I wouldn't talk to you the same way. And if you end up just not being able to break through, find your community. Find your community who really can start to listen to you so you don't feel all this pressure of I have no one to talk to, I have no one who understands, no one to listen. Someone understands. You just got to find that person. I would tell them that, and that goes for anything you believe in, you know, if it's politics or if it's a school of thought or whatever, someone has been there before with you and there's someone out there who's going to listen to you and who's out there to support you through your, your lack of understanding or lack of ability to navigate whatever it is, easy or hard. You know, you're not ever truly alone, you know, and then ultimately, if you are honest about it and you have you're honest about your religion and and you have a relationship with Christ, Christ is always going to listen to you. You know, if you subscribe to that kind of thought or whatever. And I believe that Mm -hmm. for sure. I believe that for sure. So you are truly never alone. You know, it may be difficult to get to a place of being super comfortable. It was hard for me to talk to my parents about it. It took years, you know. 
for my mom to get like on board and stuff. My dad was a little bit easier, but um, yeah, stick to what you believe. Aaron, did you want to jump in? Yeah, I have kind of a theoretical tangential question. Uh oh. There's no right. There's no right answer for, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few interviews back, plug for a previous episode. We interviewed <laughs> our friend's mom who, our friend's mom who grew up in Soviet Russia and. Mm-hmm is a lesbian but when she was in soviet russia there was no religion there um but there was still this like manifestation of like a dislike for for queer people um that it was wrong or that it was whatever and in america i feel like this this conversation comes up a lot where you know when religion is brought into it it's it's people defending the bible and saying well this is a sin and i'm curious from your point of view if you think that this is actually like people trying to defend the bible and if it's actually like religion that's causing this this divide or if it's a manifestation of something else ah so i think um it's interesting in america because we're a country that's built off of a religion basically or proclaiming that we are and that's why we have in god in god we trust yeah the religion of capitalism (laughs) no yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) yes and no exploitative capitalism (laughs) which i guess you don't really have to you don't really have to qualify yeah they are synonymous yeah yeah Yes. It's pretty explicitly exploitative capitalism. I hear you. I hear you. That's a whole other episode. But, um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I think what's interesting in America is that we're a, com- a country, I would say company, a country built off of, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you could see my Freudian eyes, slip. if you could see my eyes, you would know. But um, we're a country that's kind of built off of religious um, beliefs. And, you know, that's why we have the whole in, in God we trust and stuff all over you know, the courts yeah. and like money and, and, you know, we talk about indivisible under God and stuff in our, in our, in our um, pledge of allegiance, but we also proclaim to be a freedom of, uh, you know, a country that has freedom of religion. And I think that what's interesting is um, a lot of people when we were founding the country, you know, probably believed a lot in the Bible or those kind of religious things. I think that they would defend it back then. But I think now um, people just, like I was saying earlier, just interpret the Bible a bit differently. Um, I think that being, it's not being gay that is the sin. I think that it is the lust behind it that is a sin. And that goes with regardless of your sexuality. You can be a lustful motherfucker and be straight all day long. That doesn't make it a good thing. I think that the lust in itself is the sin. So I don't know it completely um, from the biblical text because I can't recall the verses. But from what I can remember is that just lust in itself is a, it's kind of born from greed. You know, it's like, yeah. I want this. I want this regardless of, you know, of anything An else. You know, of, you know, it's like I, I'm lusting after something that I don't have. You know what I'm saying? And you're greedy to get that thing regardless of something else. Right. And I think that that yeah. can tie kind of to the whole hookup culture. I don't care about your feelings or whatever. I don't care how you may be viewing me. I'm just going to get that and be gone. I'm lusting after you. And, you know, I don't think that that's um, the best. And I think that that in itself is where the sin is. You know, it's similar like the love of money. They call that a sin, you know, you know in the Bible. That's a lust of money. Sexual lust is just a lust of the body. You know what I'm saying? And that's not healthy, first of all. We talked about that earlier. It's not healthy. And it, just doesn't, it doesn't build good character in a person. So I think that, that, and a lot of those things that are sins are really kind of talking about your character if you look at the Bible. That's why the Bible talks mm. about the fruits of the Spirit, which are character, good character-building traits that regardless of your religion, you should probably try to have, period. You know, be loving, be meek, like, don't be a dick, like, that kind of stuff, you know? 
those are things that anyone, yeah. any good human should be able to ascribe to regardless of, uh, regardless of if you're a Christian or not, right? So I think that for me, that's how I view lust as a sin. And in that, it's just not good. It's just not good for you. Do you think that there's a way to be... Because I think of I think that there are bad ways that hookup culture can manifest. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of the the things that you're talking about can be very unhealthy mm-hmm. for some people. But I I also do think that there are plenty of people out there who are have a very active sex life and are yeah. having new partners, but are not who are mature about it and can continually yeah. ha- to have continue continually have new partners and yeah. be seeking out new sexual adventures. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the communication is what's key there. Yeah, communication I think that it's almost key. like a misalignment of like, if, if someone like doesn't, isn't upfront with you and clear in what they want, you know, when you're on the same page of like, well, we're both just looking for a one night stand and whatever, like this is what we want. Then I think that it creates a different, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's less, maybe less friction. Yeah, I can I can see what you're saying, and I I think maybe the way that I'm and the way that this conversation is kind of developing my thought process is that maybe the that communication and lack thereof maybe can create the unhealthy environment where mm-hmm. if you are not communicating with the other person and making sure that you know you are treating them with respect in the way that they want mm-hmm. to be treated, then that's where the unhealthiness comes from. Like if you're both like you were saying, Aaron, if you're both on the same page and like. I'm just in this for like this one thing and I like I'm gonna be okay with that leaving this and you are too to me there's nothing unhealthy about that Mm -hmm. if that is you know truly what is best for you or like what Mm -hmm. you are interested in in that moment I mean if it's you know years and years and years of the same pattern and it's like if if it's what you think is healthy for you but it's an unhealthy cycle that is one thing but if but if you are, you know, maturing yourself and you're like, I, I actually know that I'm going to be fine. And like, you know, this is not what I need mm-hmm. or this is like what I need in this moment or like what I'm looking for in this moment. But you're mature and understand where you're coming from with that. To me, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I, I don't I yeah. don't mean to look and just condemn people who hook up. That's not that's not that's not the business I'm in at all. You're asking me like right. what, I, what I believe. Like for me, I just don't like of I just course, can't like yeah, fully absolutely. get into it because I'm like. I really want to shape my character and I know the type of person I am. I like sex as much as anybody else. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want to get locked down because I know I get an emotional attachment. So for me, mm-hmm. you know, being in like this mm-hmm. this space of, well, I got to just on to the next, on to the next. And honestly, I think that that's another thing about gay couples. It's very, not gay couples, gay um, culture is very on to the next sometimes. You know, you know, what's the next best thing sometimes? And I think that that may plague why some of us don't have as long-term relationships. I know Matt is like blessed to have a longer relationship. <laughs> And I really, really, I really, really congratulate that. And, and that's something that I aspire to have as well. But for the grand majority, I think that many um, people in the gay community can, community can say, yeah, I've had my fair share of short-term relationships. And what, what is the reason for that? You know what I'm saying? Yep. You know, what is the reason for that? Is it communication? Kind of like you were talking about, Matt. Is it just like not really being able to say what I'm looking for? Like you and Matt, Aaron, were both talking about, you know, and like, what is it? Well, you know? what, what you're making me think now, too, when you're saying this, what's coming up in my mind, too, is that it, it's not only communicating to the other person mm-hmm. what you want, but it's actually being able to look in the mirror and communicate with, with yourself. yourself. And exactly. A, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's having this, like, this healthy 
this healthy relationship with yourself of saying like, yes, like maybe this is what I want, but also being able to recognize if this is like an unhealthy cycle and yes. things like that. And that is what I was also finding in myself when I was looking to reshape my own personal value. Like, what mm. am I okay with? What am I not okay with? You know, I was, I told myself I was okay with a lot of things that my ex was doing and saying, I really wasn't. I couldn't look in the mirror and say, no, this is not what I want. No, I don't want to be talked to like that. No, I don't want to do this and that and the other. No, I'm not okay with you you know, doing whatever, whatever, if we're going to be in a monogamous relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that came fairly full circle. <laughs> that was a good kind of like wrap up to yeah. that question. Yeah. I Sum think it that, up. Yeah, we all like came kind of to the same place, but from different yes. answers. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah we were all totally. coming from different corners for sure, but all ended mm -hmm. up together. Yeah. yeah, I think it's something really beautiful actually about, and we've talked about this before, um, on the podcast, I think, and just in life about being queer individuals and having to like really self-assess a lot and learn to look inward while growing up and coming into yourself. And that like, I think a lot of straight men potentially, or just don't have that ability to like look in the mirror and really like deep dive into themselves. So I think while it may, like we've been talking about, there can be those like terrible cycles. I think at the same time as gay men we are able to sometimes like really understand ourselves and give more of ourselves to a relationship than others once we can get to that point i'm glad that i could you know have people hear a little bit about my story um and i guess i would suggest to people like this is again something i've just been working on recently and if you go to my instagram you'll see that um if you request because you know it's on private so i mean i don't need everybody to see it myself but um you know oh your value your, your value is just so so important and i think that regardless of if you be if you are gay or not like many people struggle with that and and i know what it feels like to struggle with that and, and i don't think you know i don't think it's right i would say look internally and really just you know ask yourself what do i want you know, for me in this moment, what do I want for me in, in 10, 15, 20 years? What I want to look like and work on that and really, really stick to that so that you can make yourself the best you that you can be, you know, not only for yourself, but ultimately, you know, if you want to be in a relationship with someone else, too, you know, and hopefully you can keep that communication open with you, like you were saying, Aaron, and also with other people like you were saying, Matt. Um, and I think that that makes for the best outcomes. Um, and just be open to, to differences as well. Oh my God, is, is Hiro in the room with you? Yeah, I'm sorry, can you hear him barking? No, I can hear him jingling around though. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the dogs, their, their collars are. What is the gayest thing you did this week? The gayest thing I've done this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, All I, right, I'll let you think for a second. I have Aaron, no what's idea. what's the gayest thing you did this week? Yeah, you, th you think for a second, Adam. <sighs> Um, gayest thing I've done this week. Well, I think going back to work has been pretty, actually going back to work has been pretty hetero. Um, but <laughs> I think one of the gayest things I'm about to do that is about to happen is I'm about to go to dinner with our dear sister, Ian, who is oh spending gosh. the month in LA, um, for, uh, our friend from Tufts. So I'm Adam, super I'll excited. Tell you about Ian. So I'm super I'm super excited to go um go over to their house that they're renting, which they're basically gonna turn into a TikTok house and we're gonna become super famous, except not have parties. Mm. 
Yeah. Just have dinner. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, sorry, Matt. What's the gayest thing that you've done this week? <laughs> um, the gayest thing I've done this week is definitely. So my boyfriend just got a puppy. Aww. He's so cute, and we have been like two little gay dog dads. Oh Lord, have mercy. Yeah, it's been very, very cute. Well, um, I have a date this weekend, I guess, if that matters. Oh, so. Ooh. that definitely counts. Mm-hmm. Who is he? Offline, offline. Well, you know what, we won't... Yeah, offline. 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 Yeah. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Offline. All right, well, I hope it goes well. Wow. <laughs> you know, I don't need, just won't. <laughs> Adam, if people can find you on your private Instagram, if you want to be found, <laughs> where can they find you? So, you know, it's funny. Uh, I mentioned a lot about Japan earlier. You know, the beans, edamame, like the little beans yeah. they give you. Mine is adamame. edamame. My Instagram adamame. Is, is adamame. So it's A-D-A-M-A-M-E-1021, because that's my birthday, October 21st. So, yeah. I like that's that. That's so cute. I never understood that. And now <laughs> I do. Yeah, you know, Adam Ame, A-D-A-M-A-M-E-1021 is my Instagram. So I definitely follow. would have read it as, like, Adam Amy. Yeah, people say Adam like, Ame uh, or whatever. Ame. That's what I thought. No. Like, ooh, French. <laughs> no, it's Adam Ame because, yeah. So That I makes sense. That. You can see all my, so little ad- all my little adventures and travels and a lot of pictures of my cute dog that only speaks Japanese, and that's it. <laughs> Aaron, where can they find you? You can find me everywhere at Aaron Idelson. And Matthew, what about you? You can find me everywhere at Maddie Roar, and you can find this podcast on Instagram at Queering the Air Pod. And remember to oh. click follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to, and then also rate us five stars. We love you. Yes. <laughs> Adam, thank you so much for chatting with us today. This was so insightful. Of course. And yeah, cool. this was great. And I'm so grateful that you shared so much of your experience with us today this was so wonderful it was it was was really fun a pleasure it was all right until next time bye guys ciao bye bye As we talked about in the episode, we really wanted to take this episode to honor the memory of RBG. So if you are interested in learning more about one of her favorite causes, the Malala Fund, then click the link in the description of this episode.